This is the Boxing Betting Show with Tom Craze. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of the Boxing Betting Show. My name is Tom Craze. Now, it's a busy sporting weekend and with a host of fight cards to get through as well, I thought I'd enlist some help to help me unpick them. Very pleased to be joined by JJ Neal, the boxing columnist for the bookmaker Star Sports. JJ, how are you? Yeah, very well, Tom. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. JJ, for those who are uh, kind of maybe less familiar with your work, I I first came across you really, well, I guess just talking boxing, but I think what I really like um, kind of catching your timeline for is your uh, you do a weekly boxing betting preview for the bookmaker Star Sports, which is there's a lot of betting previews for bookmakers and so on around you know on a Friday afternoon I used to write one myself but yours is one that I actually I kind of make a point of of reading because I quite enjoy and you've been on a pretty good run recently I mean would that be fair to say or is that the uh is that usual procedure over in the the New York (laughs) camp yeah not quite we all have we all have our ups and downs but yeah um, across the last sort of five six weeks we've had you know a pretty a pretty good spell um so yeah, I sort of put out a column every every Friday for Star Sports, and you know, as we've spoke about many times, I'm really serious about the betting side of it myself. So yeah, for me, it's just sort of like something that I enjoy doing. Um, you know, I, I would do it even if it wasn't sort of you know a professional thing for me. So the fact I get to do it professionally is quite a is quite a bonus, really. So talk to us a little bit about your your betting, um, JJ. I know you know you've obviously got a love for boxing but you you dabble in other sports as well how would you describe your your betting style when it comes to boxing are you we kind of chat sometimes in the dms and you say you know have you seen prices for such and such yeah are you kind of a you know would you describe yourself as an edge better normally kind of early in the week the main thing i sort of try and do is sort of find opportunities where i believe the bookmakers have got it wrong based on my own my own research my own watch and tape or you know just my opinion on the fight so if i if i can sp- find spots where you know i think that that's priced up wrong in my own mind i will then trust obviously myself and my knowledge that you know there's, there's something there where i could where i could gain an advantage so that's sort of on the broad spectrum that's how i look at it um i haven't always been that way it's sort of a it's an evolving relationship, so so to speak. Mm. But um, yeah, the point I'm at now, you know, I try to find spots where I believe bookmakers may just have got it wrong. That kind of evolution of, I guess, casual punting into into value betting is is probably one that's pretty well trodden, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, my my introduction was, you know, when I was much younger with me with my dad and my granddad, and we would bet on you know horses or football at the weekend, and then sort of maybe the last three years two to three years I've began to develop my sort of my own sort of system or you know began to trust the way I see fights or the way I read fights and as as we touched on yeah it's it's been a little bit successful so yeah it's just a case of I think it's like everybody you've got to sort of work out how you are going to approach betting if you want to do it from a serious standpoint. If there was one thing that you could kind of take back you you know rewind back to the point where you say okay I, I, I quite like doing this I'm going to you know take it a bit more seriously maybe what would be the one kind of lesson that you know now or you that you've been you know that you've learned that you could have had right from the start you know if there was one thing that said actually I wish I knew back then what I knew now what would that be in terms of betting 
I think sometimes I, I was once told that sometimes the best bet is no bet at all. And it's it's so true. Yeah, yeah. Um, with with the amount of boxing that we have now, it can be so easy to be, you know, to see a nice, you know, Sky card or a BT card and just want to have a go for 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 the sake of it. Well, I think um sort of you, you have to learn control, you have to learn discipline, and you have to find your spots where you're gonna be, you're gonna give yourself the best chance to be successful. But Obviously, that's quite a difficult skill to master. It's so easy to, to you know to just bet for betting's sake, but I think discipline and control are the are the two things you have to master. And I think, to be honest, it, it only comes with time and experience. But yeah, that, that's the one thing I would tell maybe a younger a younger version of myself. I'm glad you said that. You know, as the host of a, a, a betting podcast, and you know, I did what half an hour last week with with, with Johnny talking about Herring versus Frampton. And at the end of the the podcast, I kind of got to a point was actually, you know, I'm, I'm going to leave this. And yeah. that was my thought going into it. But, you know, obviously, once you kind of you talk about it and you verbalize it, actually, you know, if, if I was going to, I, I, I probably would have picked Frampton, as I said last week. But there was nothing there that it is definitely a skill to know when to leave it alone. And it's it's harder with boxing than it is other sports because the opportunities don't come around so often, do they? You know, it's sometimes you can be waiting, you know, two, three weeks, potentially more for an opportunity. Whereas with football, you know, but you know, football, for example, or horse racing, it's never going to be that long before your next good opportunity. But boxing, you can, you know, for something that you can really back quite confidently, you might be waiting around a month between those. It is easy when the boxing's on to have a bet, but mm. you've got to master patience. Um, which is probably the, the you know the number one skill to have, but you know if you do get it right, it can be a very it can be a very successful way to to sort of take on the bookmakers, so to speak. Well, with that in mind, um, then JJ, let's move on to the the kind of the weekend preview. It's a busy weekend in the fact that there's a few different shows around. Um, it's not the deepest weekend in terms of quality, um, perhaps, but there's enough to to kind of sink our teeth into. I think we'll start then with the the matchroom show. Um, from the Copper Box in East London, um, headlined by Conor Venn versus Samuel Vargas. That alone kind of gives you an indication that this isn't the biggest show in the world because it's it's Conor Venn versus Samuel Vargas. But it's um, it's a fight that should be fun in the ring, I think, at least from a stylistic point of view. The bookies don't think it's particularly close, but let's get onto that in a second. Conor Venn then, 17-0, um, 11 KOs. He's a fighter that, as we all know, really, has improved quite a lot. He's done so on the job very little amateur career and come on leaps and bounds. He's had to work really hard to win people over, but I think he's at a point where he's actually doing that now. And even the most kind of hardened cynics on my Twitter timeline was kind of saying, you know what, I quite like this guy. He's he's worked really hard. He's He knows he's not perfect, but he wants to fight the best. He knows he's still learning and he's quite good fun to watch. Kicked on in the past couple of years, beat Sebastian Formella last time out, who, you know, isn't, isn't world-class, but was proven ish at a certain level here he's in against Samuel Vargas who again kind of is what he is it feels like he's been around for a long time but he's only 31 he's lost to uh, Errol Spence Danny Garcia um, dropped a decision to Amir Khan uh, a few years ago as well and, and I should say actually uh, last summer I stopped in seven to Virgil Ortiz um, so if Conor Ben is kind of looking upwards as we know he will be and is of a certain level. You would think that Conor Ben isn't the type of guy that Samuel Vargas will suddenly get over the hump against. The kind of critics would say that 
Ben might be the beneficiary of some kind of cautious matchmaking here. If you look at his last few, Formella was not a puncher and a very, very cautious fighter. Vargas, despite his reputation, doesn't have many stoppages to his name, really. 14 KOs and 31. Before that, a Finnish guy, uh, I hope I pronounced this right, Usi Koivula. Um, ben stopped him in two. Do you think they're kind of moving Ben quickly, um, but kind of with kick gloves? Or do you kind of think that's um, that's a little bit harsh on him? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think they know, uh, you know, the matchmakers know what they're getting with Samuel Vargas. They know that he's probably not going to take out Conor Ben with one shot. He's not going to, you know, bar a disaster, he's not going to knock him out. But he might answer some questions in terms of, you know, he might stand there for a little longer than, you know, another opponent would, or, you know, he might sort of be able to take Ben's bravado and Ben's sort of variety and stuff like that. So I believe it is a bit of smart matchmaking. They sort of know, as I say, what they're going to get. Um, So, yeah, I think he's probably the perfect test at the perfect time. Despite only being 31, there's, there's quite a few miles on the clock. Um, it looks good on paper because, as you say, he's only been stopped by um, Danny Garcia, Virgil Ortiz and Errol Spence. Um, I don't think anyone's claiming Conor Ben's sort of at their level just yet. So, you know, if Conor Ben can add this name to his resume in the future, it sort of looks good. It looks like a good step up. But I think they know that they may be getting Samuel Vargas, you know, at his maybe his least dangerous. I've seen some kind of criticism of Vargas that, or I guess criticism of the fight was saying look, Ben is fighting a a washed up Samuel Vargas here, and you know people saying he's shot. I mean he's thirty one. He's lost six times, um, but I'm not I'm not sure it's as simple as saying he's washed up because looking back and I was kind of thinking about this earlier today, it's kind of hard to pick a point where Vargas kind of wasn't what he always has been. You know he's. There was no point where he was kind of stringing together a load of really good wins and you're thinking, okay, this guy's, you know, really kind of world-level guy. He He's always, to be frank, he's always lost to the best opposition. He's always been quite game and generally gets stopped doing it. I think it sort of depends sort of what you were always expecting of Vargas. So as you say, mm. he's, he's always done what he's sort of doing now. He's always been a fringe world-level contender, but he's good He's good opposition. Um you know, if you look at his defeats, he's only, I think he got stopped in four by Spence, yep. seven um, by Garcia, and seven by Virgil Ortiz Jr., who's probably, you know, along with the guy we're going to speak about soon, he's probably one of the brightest prospects in this weight class. So I don't think we can claim Conor Ben to be quite at their level. So I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put him as over the hill. I would just put him as, you know, a fringe world, maybe a European level fighter who has always been what he is. He's a very tough guy. He will, you know, he won't sort of give up at the first time, at the first sign of trouble. And, you know, he should he should ask Conor Ben some questions. And, you know, Conor Ben is, as you touched on earlier, he's still very much developing. He's still very much, you know, becoming the uh, fighter he wants to be. He's got a very shrewd trainer in Tony Sims. He's obviously got a, uh, a promoter in Eddie Hearn who will move him along the right way. So, yeah, I think the, the overriding feeling is it's a perfect bit of matchmaking. But, you know, and I've seen some people say this is a blowout and I don't quite think, you know, Conor Ben will blow Samuel Vargas out. 
you know, if it's taking people like Virgil Ortiz seven rounds and he was stopped on his feet, you know, I don't quite, I don't quite marry the two together to say that Ben will, you know, go in there and blast Samuel Vargas out. Well, the bookies kind of think this is a foregone conclusion, um, looking at the outright odds here. Um, ben is a huge favourite, uh, as short as 1 to 25, so it's at 96% implied probability, and best price of 1 to 12, that's um, that's a bet, Fred. Um, so minus 1,200, that's 92%. So between 92 and 96% general price, about 1 to 14, 1 to 16, so kind of in between. Vargas at anything from 13 to 2, so plus 650, up to about 8 to 1. Um, so between 11 and 13% for Samuel Vargas to draw out at 22 to 1. There's a few points here that maybe underpin that. Ben is obviously the house fighter here, obviously the matchroom fighter, obviously the home fighter. Um, this is only half an hour down the road from, um, from his hometown in Essex. Uh, not that there are fans in there too. Um, to kind of get behind him but looking at those percentages um JJ is this really kind of cut and dried is this a case more of how Ben wins rather than if and looking at Vargas at let's take the best price there of eight to one if that isn't enough what price would you need on on Vargas to um or, or kind of to take a flyer on Vargas here yeah I mean it's sort of getting to that territory where you would maybe look at it because you know Ben for as good as he talks and as good as he did look against Formella, you know, there is plenty of holes in his game. Um, and, you know, it, it's tough to say Samuel Vargas will take the opportunities if they're presented to him because he's not really shown a sort of, you know, a killer instinct, for probably want of a better phrase. But he's, he's a fighter that will have seen everything that Ben's probably going to bring. You know, he's seen bravado. He's seen sort of the bright lights. So I don't think he'll be overawed by it at all. So I think he's sort of, you know, he's not probably someone you want to be trusting with your money this weekend, but either is Ben sort of at them at them prices. I think sort of the method of victory is probably, if you're looking for a bet here, is probably where you're going to go. Against Formella, there were a lot of people, and I guess a lot of the doubters who were maybe won over in that 36 minutes against Formella, that a lot of people seem to be kind of saying, well, yeah, Ben should should win a decision, but it, it, you know if it goes that far, he's going to win anyway on the on the cards. But he didn't need that. He won very very convincingly against Formella. The difference here, obviously, is, as you mentioned, there is that Vargas is going to bring a very different style. He's going to be there to hit a lot more than Formella, but he's going to be throwing a hell of a lot more back as well. You'd think Ben has won two of his last three by stoppage, but I don't. Yeah, I'm, I I don't love the. Uh, the 8 to 11 there on Ben. So, oh, so minus 138 in US odds, 58% that Ben stops him. Ben 13 to 8 for the decision. Interestingly, this is only listed as a 10 rounder at the moment on BoxRec. Like, I can't find out anything that contradicts that otherwise. But does that bring the decision into play for Ben a bit more than it might otherwise? Yeah, for sure. Do? I think if it is a 10 rounder, which is something I've seen as well, I think sort of the only play for me would be would be the decision. Because um, as we said, there's, there's real punches like Virgil Ortiz and stuff who, who took seven to take uh, Samuel Vargas out. Um, so, and I don't quite put Ben as sort of as a, as a concussive puncher as they are. Um, he's very spiteful. He's got great variety, you know, he, and he is improving as we've said, but um, I don't sort of, I can sort of see the 
similar performance to the one against Formella where, you know, he's just showing how much he is improving. And I know he would like to probably get the finish himself, but I think especially if this is a 10-rounder, you know, the decision could, could definitely be a small play. I mean, if you're looking at, at Vargas, obviously, method of victory, he's got 18 to 1 to win a decision. So 5%, I think, you know, good, good luck with that. Um, 12 to 1 for the for the stoppage on Vargas. I think if you are looking for a play on Vargas, I, I, w- I would be much more inclined to go for the 12 to 1 than the 8 to 1. But again, it's what number do you really need to, yeah. to get there? Um, what might be interesting, and there's not much actually in the way of the, the rounds markets up at the moment um, at the time of recording, but bet 365 go over 8.5 rounds and under 8.5 rounds is kind of the even money line there. Uh, under at four to five, so minus 125, uh, 56%, and over at 10 to 11. That's quite interesting in a way, because when you look back at those um, results in the past, as you said, with with Ortiz and with Danny Garcia, twice stopped in the seventh round. Now, obviously, you can't read too much into that, but I think I agree with you. It's, it's hard to see Vargas getting really blown away in even in, say, four rounds like Spence did, isn't it? There's a, an inclination that says Vargas might be good enough at least to go into the second half. Yeah. I think, you know, would I be surprised if sort of Vargas was, you know, maybe stopped by the referee or something, you know, eight, nine, maybe, mm. you know, 10 rounds in? I probably wouldn't be surprised by that. But, yeah, I think if you're looking for sort of when this fight ends, I think you're definitely looking sort of north of halfway through the fight. Um, I just don't see a position where... Where Ben wins this in the first half, but yeah, it's it's um you know you've got to you can only go by what we've seen in the past, and you know what we've seen is that Samuel Vargas is durable. He can be dangerous. You know, you see him when he put um, Amir Khan down, but yep. yeah, I think you can't really see a situation where you know Ben goes in and wins in one, two, three rounds. I just sort of don't see that fight that fight happening this weekend. We'll move on then, JJ to. Probably the fight on the bill that's got everyone talking, um, whether positively or negatively, um, it's done the job and it's it's getting some good hype. Shannon Courtney versus Ebony Bridges. It's an interesting one in in as much as it's just really kind of intriguing and no one really knows what to expect. Ebony Bridges is a, a novice, basically. Um, five wins to a name. We, look, we know the there's an obvious depth in or lack of depth in women's boxing. And that's not a slight, that's just a, you know, that's just a fact. She's kind of a, a triumph of self-promotion. Um, I kind of first noticed her, you know, way back at the start of lockdown and, you know, making a lot of noise on Twitter, um, built up a big social following, fairly, you know, cleverly build, building a following, latching onto the football crowd, um, obviously using, you know, you know, using her looks. She's got a, a kind of fairly blunt personality she's quite kind of humorous with it and to be honest I I quite I'm gonna get a bit sick for this I think I quite like okay. her uh, you know fair play to her she's she's crafted this opportunity really out of nothing and to be to have talked away basically into a world title shot is is pretty impressive even in a, a fairly kind of threadbare women's division um obviously she was meant to fight Rachel Ball that fell through um and so has ended up with Shannon Courtney and what is kind of a bit of a um a bit of a grudge match but Bridges is no like she's no idiot she's you know juggles um teaching career with bodybuilding now she's a boxer 
But the massive, massive question here is what are we going to get on, on Saturday night? Shannon Courtney, um, we know a bit more about six and one, um, three KO wins. Apart from Rachel Ball, though, who she obviously lost to, there is a case that Courtney has fought nobody better than Ebony Bridges. And that, again, says a lot about the women's division. Um, I think at the very least here, Bridges is going to bring a kind of physicality, which is different from what we've seen in previous Courtney opponents. Um, she's clearly quite, well, she's a bodybuilder. She's, you know, she's clearly fit. She's clearly strong. She's got an engine. And it's going to be a world away from kind of some of the the Courtney opponents we've seen where they've, they sort of turned, looks like they turned up on the day with, you know, lost and found PE kit from, you know, mm-hmm. Romania or wherever they've been drafted in for it. That Bridges is going to come to fight. But looking at the numbers, this is one that I was really, <laughs> I was eagerly looking out for this fight on Tuesday morning. And I don't know if that was a knock-on effect of the long Easter weekend. And I was just kind of cursing traders for having the, the long weekend off. Because quite frankly, I think this could have been anything. Pro Boxing Odds has Shannon Courtney listed as opening at one to four, but I didn't see that. And it doesn't say where she opened. Um, first, I saw it was about two to 13. Um, so just better than, sorry, just worse than one to six with bet 365. Um, quickly clipped into about one to seven. As of right now, there is a bit of a split um, and she's at best price one to five um, with Skybet. Um, it's 83% implied. Um, one to six, one to seven, one to eight, and one to nine, all available as well. Puts Bridges at a best price of uh, 11 to two. Um, so 15% plus 550. JJ, before I get too much into this and too kind of carried away with the way this fight could possibly go, this is obviously kind of polarized opinion. Where do you sit on it? Oh, to be honest, I don't, I'm not quite sure where to sit on it myself. Um, it's sort of, you know, we spoke a little bit earlier and it's sort of one that's built even as early as, you know, this, just this fight week. Um, it feels like the whole build-up has been sort of centred around around these two. Um, I'm not, you know, I haven't seen a massive deal of Ebony Bridges. I've seen Shannon Courtney a lot more. Um, and to be honest, she's making some some steady progress. She's mm-hmm. like, but she's nowhere, you know, we, we sort of operate in a sport now where world title fighters sometimes, you know, brought to fruition from... From dust, um, so it's really it's really tough to to sort of work out. Um, do I like sort of the one to six, one to seven, Shannon Courtney? No, um, I don't know enough about Ebony Bridges and what she's going to bring. It aside from you know little clips we've got online, but you don't know the sort of you know the fighters she's in against, how they match up. It, it's very tough, but um, this fight could be one where we don't really know what's going to happen until until the bell goes. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I want I sort mm-hmm. of want to see how it plays out. But yeah, it's not sort of, it's not something where, you know, I've, I can sort of see an opportunity to say, like, that's that's sort of where my where my flag lies. But, you know, with the, the women's side of the sport and we do the two-minute rounds and stuff, um, you know, I don't particularly have any of these down as a huge puncher. So maybe you know there might be an income for this one to go, to go a bit further or to go the distance. But as I say, I just don't know enough to sort of make a, an informed decision. Well, I mean, I don't think that's just going to be you. Um, I think most people, it would be fair to say, have probably seen at least most of Courtney's fight pro fights, um, if not all of them. You know, she's 
always been on 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 Sky. I think I'm right in saying all of her fights have been um, televised, and you know, not as floats either, or at least on at a decent uh, a, a decent time. So everyone will know what Shannon Courtney will bring to a pro ring. Obviously, she's got a good trainer. She's in a good camp, and she's got a lot more pedigree than. Bridges. That much can't be denied. Courtney wasn't uh, an Olympian or anything like that, but she was a, a, a good amateur. One, uh, what Haringey got uh, box cut twenty. What's that? Fifteen. She, you know, and she can box. Bridges. We don't know much about what she can do. She's had five pro fights. Um, I think most people who've kind of been looking into her would have seen her last fight, which was against um, an opponent called Carol Earl who has never been stopped, but she's 45 years old. And I think the fact that that went the distance maybe raised a few eyebrows as well. Bridges, well, this is a world title fight. And in the women's game, that is it means it's a 10 rounder. Bridges has fought one three rounder, two four rounders, one six rounder, one eight rounder, and now straight up in a 10 rounder. So not only is there no depth in terms of opponents here, and I should say, only one opponent on her uh, record has a winning record. Um, she's fought a debutant in that the actual, the person she fought with a winning record was on her debut and it's kind of got Apache ever since. But she's kind of positioned herself as the blonde bomber, which again is very smart marketing, but the knockout record doesn't, doesn't back that up. Um, two KOs from, I think I'm right in saying two KOs in five. Last two have gone the distance this is kind of guesswork in a way. Look, from viewing, she is scrappy. She's strong. She's going to come forward. And I think she's going to back up her talk. I don't think she's going to go in there and, and just kind of completely disappoint. I think she's going to really, really pull it on Courtney. But my hunch here is that Courtney is good enough to, to at the very least, pick her off. Now, when I was, I was saying I was looking at the, looking for the prices here, I... I was expecting it to be shorter, to be honest. I had it in my mind closer to the main event here. And had Courtney gone up at one to 14, one to 16, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had too many arguments. And I think that's probably closer to where I would have it. But the question is how confident can you be or can anyone be in this when when push comes to shove against such an unknown quantity? You know, making the case for for Courtney, she's used to the big stage. She's fought better opponents, obviously. She, and she ran Rachel Ball. I don't know how you saw it, JJ. I thought she ran Rachel Ball quite close in the end, um, or yeah, very close. Yeah. And I, I had money on Rachel Ball that night, so I was getting a little bit a little bit twitchy. Yeah, I think she and she also reacted well to getting to getting dropped. Yeah, um, which was always a sort of a tipping, you know, a good a good thing to have. And um, she rallied quite well. Um, so I think, as I said earlier, I think Shannon Courtney's got a lot in her favour. I think she can, she's developing at a nice pace. It's just the fact that, you know, who is, we don't know who she's fighting this weekend. It, it's so, it's so difficult. So, I mean, I think you're probably right. If it was one to sixteen, you probably wouldn't have blinked twice. But it's just, it's, it's such a, um, you know, is intriguing the right word? I don't, I'm not sure, but. It's definitely one that you just, it's just really tricky to work out quite what we're going to see. No, I think in, in defense of the fight, I mean, if you look at, take out Rachel Ball, and to be honest, not many people would have seen that much of Rachel Ball before she fought Courtney either. You know, looking at the names on, on Courtney's record, how much did we know against Dorota Norek or Jasmina Nad? I'm re- literally reading off box right here, or Christina, you know, we knew nothing about those either. 
but we knew that Courtney was going to win. Surely the argument from a betting point of view, and look, there's, there's going to be a lot of money, I think, put on Bridges this weekend, at least from her, her kind of faithful, and, you know, and quite rightly so, you know, that they followed this kind of, I guess, progression, they're going, they're going to follow it through and, and back their, back their go on the night. But I mean, even at, even at what, 11 to 2, no matter how game or, or kind of physical she's going to be on the night, there's just a lot of blind faith in there, isn't it? You're, you're either backing her because you're a fan of her and you, you, you know, you might have got a, a reply on, off her on Twitter or something like that. And you, you, you quite like the story. You quite like how she looks. There can't really be an argument. Well, I say there can't be an argument. I'm trying to make an argument for, again, what price would Bridges start looking at kind of being a point where she'd be backable? Because if it's not, if it's not kind of being a supporter or a fan, you, there's nothing in the footage to say that she can beat Courtney really, I don't think. No, I think I, there might be a little bit of money from people who are maybe against Shannon Courtney too, because yeah, there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of people who, who sort of don't really want her to, to succeed. But as I say, I think there's no there's no way of putting any confident money on Ebony Bridges. But, you know, at the same time, it's the, do you trust Shannon Courtney with, with your money as well from what you've seen? Ebony Bridges has done very few rounds in the ring. Um, so has she even got the gas tank to go that far? We just don't know. Now, kind of playing devil's advocate a bit with Bridges, she's done all she can do, right? You know, she's based in Australia. I think she might have had one one fight in America. Obviously, that's quite a small talent pool in what's already a very small talent pool, in, you know, in women's boxing. She's won all five fights. She is clearly going to show up in shape. This might be a real fight and it might be a breakout fight or there's also a very real argument that this could be a complete mismatch. I know what I'm leaning towards and I think that's that Courtney has too much kind of class and and pedigree for her. And I think that's the only kind of logical decision I can can make of it. And that's, as I said, I think one to five is probably too big, but it's not one that you can back with a lot of confidence, is it? Um, JJ, looking at the, the methods there, you mentioned the decision, and I think this could this could be interesting. Um, Shannon Courtney is odds on to win by stoppage, which in a women's fight is potentially interesting in itself. Um, four to five, so minus one twenty five, fifty six percent, and eight to eleven. More generally, that's with Paddy Power Betfair Bet three six five, the eight to eleven. Courtney to win a decision is just over two to one, um, twenty one to ten, two to one available as well. That doesn't seem like a bad price to me against someone who is, you know, probably going to give to give it a go. And unless Courtney is, I don't think Courtney is going to be able to bully Bridges around. And two minute rounds against someone who at least is there to to kind of give it a go. Yeah, for sure. I think that's where that's where I would play. Um, because you know, a lot of our conversation here has been about we don't know what Ebony Bridges is bringing. We haven't seen much of it. But so either is Shannon Courtney. And I don't believe her training team will yeah. have such an in-depth knowledge of, of Ebony Bridges either. So, you know, is there a couple of rounds where she maybe just has a look, sees what Ebony's bringing and sort of builds from there. But with the 10 rounds and the two minutes, that goes quite quickly. So, you know, before you know it, you're sort of into four, five, six. And maybe, you know, sort of just just then go and get, get home and dry and, and take the belt home. So I think, yeah, you know, if I was going to have a play here, yeah, it would definitely be, you know, towards the, the Shannon Courtney by decision. Um, as you say, 8 to 11-ish for the KO. You know, there's no interest from me there. So 
I would probably say, yeah, Shannon Courtney, um, by decision, or, you know, even if you just want to be a little bit safer and, you know, go for the will if I go to distance market and take the, the six to four available. My, my secret hope for this fight, to be honest, is that there's an army of Bridges fans that turn up on Friday afternoon, Saturday morning, and, and push out the the Courtney price to something a bit more backable. You know, I'd, I'd love to get maybe even one to four, you know, but certainly three to 10, you know, something like that on, or Courtney would be a point where I'd say, right, okay, I'm that's plenty for me. You're listening to The Boxing Betting Show. We'll move on then to the PBC card, um, PBC on Showtime card this weekend, which is in one of my favourite locations, Uncasville, or Uncasville, I'm never going to get that right, in Connecticut. Headline fight is an interesting one, Jaron Ennis against Sergei Lipinets, and it's interesting because of Jaron Ennis, frankly. This is a big, big step up for him, but as you say, JJ, he is one of the, I don't want to say the welterweight prospects, because I think he's past that now, but the big kind of welterweight hopes, along with Virgil Ortiz, as the guys who might be the, almost the next generation post Spence and Crawford at, at 147. The bookies make Ennis a pretty strong favourite, um, but it was a big, big move. So again, this <laughs> says much about my life, really, that I was sitting around waiting on Tuesday morning for these odds to come out. But um Again, it was it was one that with Ennis taking such a big step up, you weren't quite sure whether the bookies would get this right, but there wasn't much fun in the end. Um, he opened at one to five, so minus 500. Within a couple of hours, Ennis had been backed into the one to nine favourite. Um, and by the end of the day, uh, if not before, he was clipped in to one to 10 on, so minus uh, 1,000 to beat Sergei Lipinets. That means that Lipinets um, went from fairly modest uh, 10 to 3 underdog, um, so plus 3.30, right up until about 7 to 1 within the space of a day. JJ, was that an overreaction or do you think that's about right? And, and what are your thoughts on, on Ennis and this fight as a whole? I can see why people have why people have ate that up quite quickly. Um, he's done absolutely nothing wrong. He's, you know, every everything that comes out about him or the people around him or the people who know so the people stateside who, who sort of you know you respect their opinion. Everybody sort of is of the same opinion about Blue Tennis. He's just you know he's a supreme talent. He's only going one way. You know he, he, I think he is he twenty three or twenty four. He's still very young. Punches yeah, twenty three. I think yeah. yeah. So you know his best years are ahead of him. He's he's you know he's very he's, he's twenty six fights under his belt. So you know he's got a lot in his favour. So I can understand why people ate that up. Um, we, we spoke earlier about Ben and, and you know, a bit of clever matchmaking. Um, I think this is probably the best matchmaking of the weekend. Um, okay. I think he just, stylistically, he's he's here to, you know, Lippinett is there to for him to look great, in my opinion. Um, and he probably needs that after the, the non-contest last time. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, he, he, he is a supreme talent. And, you know, I think we'd, we'll probably see something a little bit special this weekend. So what did you make of that opening price then, um, JJ, the one to five? I I was you know, probably quite optimistically hoping for, you know, a fair bit bigger than the one to five, you know, hoping for maybe four to 11, two to five, something like that on Ennis. And obviously if that had come up, then that would have been eaten up, even, you know, even quicker. But one to five didn't hang around very long. What was your kind of your tissue price on that? What did you expect Dennis to go up at? 
Yeah, I, w- I was sort of the same as you. I was hoping that, you know, sometimes when you get these sort of step-ups on paper in inverted commas, mm. um, sometimes, you know, the, the bookmakers can get these a little wrong because if you do look at this fight on paper, it's a, it's a very it's a very smart, you know, to look and think, you know, this is a guy who could has got his own ambition, has won titles, stuff like that. So, you know, I was probably hoping for, you know, a little bit closer to a working-class price, but... Yeah, he's just maybe, you know, obviously he's unbackable now, but, you know, the one to five, you know, maybe not for me, but I can understand why people yeah. have gone in. And, you know, he's probably a part of a lot of a lot of accumulators and a lot of parlays and stuff this weekend. Ennis has been kind of stepped up nicely. We didn't really see him in, obviously, against Van Heerden last time because of that cut. But before that, you know, he's only beaten, you know, Juan Carlos Abreu, before that, there wasn't much on his record, but you you get the feeling that his handlers are really confident in him, right? To go from a no contest in Van Heerden was meant to be a bit of a step up for that fight to basically be null and voided, and for them to take another step up without anything in between tells you that that's not going to be a problem. Yeah, I think the the sort of confidence in the way he's going, I think his development has probably been more to avoid the upper echelons of the division more than it has been for him mm. not being ready for, you know, maybe a little bit better than what he's fighting this weekend, maybe. But, yeah, I think they um, they know what they've got. Um, for anyone who's, you know, deep in boxing, they can see what John Ennis is. Um, you know, I'm waiting f- to see him really get, to get hit and to be put under pressure and, you know, maybe someone to try and knock that, the flashiness or, you know, put him in a bit of an uncomfortable situation. That's what, I'm personally waiting to see. Um, I don't really know if that comes this weekend, but um, yeah, I think he's a, he's definitely, you know, they know what they've got. They, they know that he's, you know, barring any crazy sort of fall-offs or loss in confidence or whatever, he's a fighter that's, you know, heading, heading one way. Ennis, as you said, he's 26-0, 23 KOs. He hasn't gone the distance. I think I'm right in saying this even in six rounders or whatever the, the distance, four years, no matter how short the fight, even in his developmental fights, he's he's blasted through everyone. And for someone who's not always a front foot fighter, that's really impressive. Um, again, though, it, it's similar to the Ben fight, and you're saying, well, if it's kind of a case of how Ennis wins, not if. The bookies aren't giving much away here on the, the Ennis KO. And I think if you look at, me saying, oh, I wanted 4 to 11 early price on Ennis outright. That's what the bookies make Ennis by stoppage here. Um, 2 to 5 best price with um, Paddy Power Betfair. So that's minus 250. Between 71 and 73% for the Ennis stoppage, 3 to 1 the decision. Do you think Lipinets can kind of take him the distance and do what pretty much no one else has done? I think maybe he could... You know, the, the the first thing I was drew to with this was the um, the one to six or the seven to twelve, um, because my initial feeling was you know maybe they sort of looked at Butenis's record and said you know we do need to get some rounds, we do need someone to mm. sort of push him just for his development on its own really, because as you say he's getting close now to being in you know maybe not fifty fifty fights but fights where you know it's not going to be as cut and dry as you know the early part of his career but so I was really interested in the in the seven to twelve to see you know whether they brought in Lipinets as a guy who can take him there. Um so you know I think we might 
get some rounds in the bank this this weekend. But as you say before, for a guy who's not really a front foot, you know, in your face fighter, he's very spiteful and he knows he knows when he has people hurt and he, he doesn't really hang around with it. I think if you look down his record, there's a lot of, you know, TKO two, TKO three, yeah. TKO four. You know, he get once he gets people hurt, he, he very rarely lets them lets them off the leash. With that in mind, the the round groups betting you've mentioned there, um, they're both evenly priced actually. With again, that's a Paddy Power bet for nine to five, um, so closing in on two to one. Take your pick, really, and it's to win in rounds one to six or seven to twelve. Same price. You think there's probably a bit more of a, a bit more appeal in the the latter? Yeah, just just from sort of you know knowing that the the people you know the matchmakers may want to get him may want to get him some rounds and. Um, you know, and maybe trying to not do too much of a disservice to Lippinets either. You know, he's not really shown much where he's, you know, fragile and, you know, there for the taking. So no. I do think he can give give Jaren Ennis um, some rounds. Um, so, yeah, the one that interests me is maybe the 7 to 12. I think, as you say, you've got about 17 to 10 or there or thereabouts. Um, so, yeah, for me, that's probably, that's probably where I'm looking. Lastly, then, we'll move on to... The top-ranked card from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Joe Smith Jr. versus Maxime Vlasov for Smith's WBO light heavyweight belt. Interesting fight, and it's one that it might actually be the, the best fight of the weekend come Sunday morning. I think it's probably going to be an action fight. It's one we've been waiting around a little while for, um, pushback from earlier in the year after Vlasov tested positive for COVID. Smith Jr. is the favourite, um, as you probably expect, but... Vlasov is a solid, he was kind of a top 10-ish cruiserweight guy. He's now campaigning down at 175. Smith Jr., we know all about, but he's got a great story. Really established himself now as one of the top guys at 175, you know, Bivol, Paterbiev. Smith Jr. is right there at the moment. I think looking at Paterbiev's last fight a couple of weeks ago, people were saying, yeah, Smith Jr. is, is the guy who might be able to test them, test the Russian there. He is the favourite though, um, and Bookie's making a pretty firm one. Uh, two to seven best price on Smith Jr., minus 350, 70, uh, 77, 78%. Um, one to four available as well with Flasov at five to two, so plus 250. JJ, how do you see this? I, am I right in thinking that this should be kind of fireworks, whatever happens? Yeah, I think, you know, this is one of the fights for me that I was sort of. You know, had my eye on for quite a while. Okay. Um, Vlasov's a guy, as you say, he's quite a maybe. I don't know. No, I don't know if he's underrated, but you know, he's a guy that's been sort of there or thereabouts for a while. Um, I think he's in his mid thirties now. He's he's always given a good account of himself. And unheralded is is probably a good word for him, isn't it? He's, yeah, he's maybe, been there. Yeah. yeah, probably right right on the money there. You know, he's sort of he always gives you know really solid account of himself. Um, and Joe Smith Jr. the same. He's obviously got the great stories of you know his wins, and you know I think I'm correct in saying he still works and stuff like that. He's like a real a working class <laughs> working class hero from yeah, from back yeah. in the day. But he, yeah, I think it, this is a really intriguing one. Um, it's one that you know the, the two very stubborn fighters. Um, I don't really see you know a big sort of early knockout in my opinion, yeah. I mean, the one worry I have is that Vlasov obviously had the COVID stuff. Mm. We've seen that's had an impact on some people. I don't think he's fought in, you know, since like 2019. So, you know, the old ring rust is something that you've got to you've got to think about. But, yeah, this is certainly one that I think you're right. I think we, we might be looking back on Monday morning and saying, you know, this was 
maybe fight in the weekend. I seem to be talking about a lot on the show at the moment, but um, obviously the COVID point is potentially a factor. I mean, certainly whatever happens, it can't be can't be of a help. Um, I think I'm right in saying Vlasov tested positive for COVID, but was always, I think he was either claiming that it was a false positive, I might be wrong on that, or he was always asymptomatic. I don't think he was ill with it. Um, and certainly not as ill, you know, ill in the same way that, you know, Povetkin was a couple of weeks ago. Um, again, it's, it's, a, it's a big question mark and we don't know, you know, the whole world is guessing what kind of impact that has on lung capacity and, and, and so on going forward. You know, if Vlasov is 100% and, you know, he wasn't affected by COVID and the, the sort of time out the ring hasn't affected him as much as maybe it has done some others, you know, I see him as a, a pretty live underdog. Um, but, yeah, I see this, for me, this is just a fight where I think it goes it goes deep, even not to the cards, you know, but I think we might get a little bit of drama, drama throughout. <laughs> yeah, I, I have to say I'm not, I'm certainly not rushing it you know, looking at Smith Jr. at the price, I wouldn't be backing him, I don't think, at, certainly at one to four. Um, I think the question is how Vlasov wins, because he's, he's he's quite deep into his career now, 48 fights, 26 knockouts. He can clearly punch. He But most of those were at cruiserweight, we, you know, we should point out. Um, he went the distance with Glowatsky, um up at cruiserweight and beat Chilemba um, back down at light heavy, um, albeit on the cards. I think, I mean, looking at the the methods here, there's not much split. If you're if you're kind of taking your pick on Vlasov, um, eleven to two that he wins a decision, fifteen to two that he were to win by TKO. Um, slight odds on for Smith to win a stoppage, ten to eleven, so minus one ten, uh, or a decision for Joe Smith Jr. Just above uh, two to one, um, twenty one to ten is with um, uh, bet three six five, uh, twenty one to ten. Again, it's it's one of those we mentioned it earlier. It's one of those fights that I want to have an opinion on, but if truth be told, there's not anything here, even from the opening price on Smith to to where we are now that that jumps out. I'm I may be a little bit more wary of Vlasov than I think a lot of punters will be this weekend. Was there anything in the methods or the the distance price wise that stood out? Yeah, I mean, you're not you know you're not getting you're not getting a great deal for your money. Um, mm. I think the most probable outcome I can see is, you know, Smith Jr. Um, win on the cards. You know, the, the classic to the 115, 113, 116, 112, something, okay. you know, along them lines. Um, I think the, the, to go the distance, um, five to four-ish, I think, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't put people off putting that maybe in, you know, a couple of, a couple of you know, nice multiples. But, yeah, I think for me, it's a, it's, I think Vlasov maybe needs to take take Joe Smith Jr. out, just purely based on the fact that you know he's 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 been inactive. Sort of how is he going to be sort of later in the fight? He's a very tough guy, you know. He knows how to look after himself. So, you know, I don't see him in a position where he's going to get he's going to get you know damaged or, or or stopped or anything like that. But yeah, I think the most probable outcome for me would maybe be Smith Jr. by decision. But as I say, you're not getting. You're not getting a great deal of value for your money. Um, so I think best price is, I said, 21 to 10, about 11 to 5, 31% implied. Yeah, I think there's an argument that that might be slightly higher. The, the caution you have with with guys like this is that anything that 
you're backing to go the distance is pretty fraught with danger because yeah. I said I could easily see this being a fight where either or both touch down at some point. You're kind of hoping for a war of attrition rather than than something ended quite quite suddenly. And yeah, there is that question. I think there's enough about of a question mark about Vlasov for me to say I'm not quite sure. You know, over a year out, COVID. Yeah. Not enough there to say actually five to two. He's a live underdog, but yeah, I think I want more on on that there. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe I'm agreeing with you there uh, that Smith Junior. Eleven to five, yeah, thirty-one percent might be the way to go. But yeah, I, I have to say there's not anything that that really stands out. If I'm being honest, no. Sort of as we as we touched on earlier, that sort of knowing <laughs> even bet that you think you think is right, but you know, no one went to you know, when to, when to pull the trigger and when to just sit and watch and enjoy. JJ, you're a regular listener to the show, um, for which I'm very grateful. So you'll know how this bit works off by heart, hopefully. Um, of the fights that we've spoken about this weekend, uh, if you had just one bet, where would that be going this weekend? Um, I think, I think, I, you know, I'm torn maybe between putting, you know, the fight to go the distance with Bridges and Courtney, but... I think with the you know this fight maybe being ten rounds, I think Conor Ben by decision is maybe the one I'd go for. Um, okay. Just sort of given the, the sort of respect to to Samuel Vargas, but you know maybe if that gets moved to a 12, 12 round, you, you might you know you might shy away. But I think as, as a ten round, Ben by decision six to four ish. I think that's where that's where I'd go. JJ, before you go, I think it's only right that we mention that you're a, a kind of a dab hand at podcast yourself, and you've just launched a new uh, a new betting focus one. So I wondered if you'd like to take the chance to to kind of give that a good plug. Yeah, really appreciate that. So we we're launching um, a podcast called the Legit Sportcast. It's sort of an off brand of an already very successful podcast, which is the Legit Podcast. And them guys do sort of, of life stories of people from all different walks of life they've got some they've got some really really good um, podcasts already with uh, you know a lot of people linked to boxing too um so yeah the sportcast will launch uh, this friday and then every friday after and it will just be sort of talking about you know you know a wide range of sports from football you know the boxing ufc maybe you know horse racing and stuff uh, just general chat looking for a bit of value maybe winning a little bit of money along the way and yeah, just a general easy listen and, you know, hopefully something that people can enjoy. But yeah, it, it's something sort of, you know, a passion of mine as we spoke about. And, you know, just to bring that to, to life is something that I love doing. So, yeah, I appreciate you allowing us to give us the plug. But, and if anyone would like to come along for a listen, it'll be, it'll be greatly appreciated. As I've said um, already, I will be doing just that. Um, and can we expect a another uh, star preview from the this week? <laughs> yeah, let's hope we can keep a yeah. You can get a keep a bit of form going. As I say, that goes out on on a Friday too. So you know, I appreciate you always give it a give it a bit of support. So you know, if people see it, maybe give it a read, and hopefully, I can give them a bit of information that maybe they didn't know, or you know, just a different a dis- different view on the fight, which is what I always try to do. Uh, for anyone who's not following JJ, um, give him a follow on Twitter as well. It's at uh, JJ Neil, so at JJ N E I L D. JJ, great having you on the show. Thank you, mate. Appreciate it. That's all for now. I hope you enjoy the fights this weekend. Please do remember to gamble responsibly, and I'll be back next week for a preview of Demetrius Andrade versus Liam Williams. Thanks for listening. <laughs>